0: This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of
1: faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His Fullness of
0: Life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina.
1: Hello, this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM WSFI Catholic Radio. And this month, I have the great honor of hosting a friend of mine, Steve Hegarty, who is from the St. John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association of Chicago. And I really wanted to host Steve uh, because June is the month where we um, celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is the Feast of the Body of Christ. Um, We're not gonna focus on that per se, but because it is such a special month to recognize the beauty of Christ present in the Eucharist, um, it was on my heart to have him come and share a bit about his work in, in promoting um, more attention on the Eucharist and his involvement with this great association. So so welcome, Steve.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Letty. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity to share with our listeners uh, more about the work the Adoration Association is doing and, and uh, more importantly about uh, Eucharistic Adoration itself and, and how we encounter Christ there.
1: Wonderful. Why, why don't we start out with... Um, a little bit about who you are, and um, so that our listeners know, you know, how you come to be here.
0: Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Steve Hegarty, and, and I am a volunteer with the Saint John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association of the Chicago Archdiocese. I've got to say that in one breath. Yeah. And uh, it's an, a lay apostolate that's been in the Archdiocese for about 22 years now. I've been fortunate enough to be with them for 14 of those years, and our Episcopal Moderator is Bishop Joseph Perry. Yes. And currently, our spiritual director is Father Charles Finelli. Okay. So I'm I'm a New York transplant. Uh, I've been out in Illinois, uh, coming up on 26 years now. Married for 24 years. Fortunate, I have two boys, 20 and 22. And uh, for work, I'm I've been in sales and marketing for coming up on 30 years in the electronics industry, specifically for wireless communication. Okay. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the association and you know what are they all about?
0: Sure, so it's the, the mission of the association is um, Eucharistic adoration for the sanctification of individuals and families and for religious vocations okay. uh, and for the for priestly vocations as well. so we we go about promoting that in the archdiocese various ways. Uh, one of the ways we do that is we we have uh, an endowment and we help sometimes with. Uh, new construction for adoration chapels. Okay. We have uh, materials and speakers that we can go out to parishes on the weekends. We'll call it a weekend mission and uh, kind of give some basics about the real presence. A lot of people are are not too certain about the real presence. They don't think about it that often. So the, the Vatican's Eucharistic Miracle Exhibit is one of the tools that we, we teach about these Eucharistic miracles that have taken place around the world throughout the centuries. There's about 140 panels. And um, one of the beautiful things about this exhibit is that it was a young young man that put this together between the ages of 11 and 15, Carlo Acutis. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, he passed away at the age of 15 from leukemia, but... Um, it, it's, it's amazing. Some said he was a genius back in the early 2000s, a uh, computer geek kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he had his parents take him around uh, Europe to start to visit and, and document these sites, start to do the illustrations on the computer. And I, I believe, um, is there a cause?
1: Yes, or, there is a cause for him. Uh, I believe the first miracle has been approved. Um by the committee that uh, assesses people who are being considered for sainthood. And I think he will sometime in the not too distant future be considered blessed.
0: Okay. Yeah, and, and there's a wonderful website that his mom had put together that's got all of his materials on there, stories about him, a great cartoon that's just basic catechism for teenagers about the real presence. That's amazing. So in in the Chicago Archdiocese there's probably about 350-65 uh, parish missions and shrines and we know a little over 60% of them have some type of eucharistic adoration program which is great and it could be perpetual just the first Fridays or or daily or weekly any any variation of that
1: Has that grown over the last several years?
0: I believe it has grown and it's it's difficult to to Get maintain, hard numbers, yeah, to ma- maintain those numbers. But we'll talk a little bit later about an experience here in Lake County and Vicariate One that proves that out, and and it uh, it should be a reason for hope on what's going on. Yeah. It's not on the front page of the newspaper, but it's it's just tremendous. Five, ten years ago, we wouldn't have seen what we just saw this past fall. Um, we also know that sixty five percent of the seminarians have practiced Eucharistic adoration and attribute their, their vocation to uh, that, that time with Jesus, hearing the calling. Seventy uh, percent of the seminariums come from a parish that has a Eucharistic adoration program.
1: Yeah, those are strong statistics.
0: Yes, yes. So they're, they, um, they're proven just in and, and the universities as well. We, we, we know that at the University of Illinois, the Chicago campus, they have a Newman Center. With Eucharistic adoration, and in a three-year period, they had eight vocations.
1: That's amazing. Three
0: women and five men.
1: Wow. Yes. Powerful.
0: It's powerful stuff, and I and I think the youth are hungry for a different kind of experience. We've been drawn away to this illusion of uh, the electronics and media in in a a way that's so superficial. And when they have that encounter, it's penetrating, and uh, it's drawing them in, in the right direction.
1: Absolutely.
0: So in um, just another statistic in in, in how we help some parishes in the Archdiocese over the past two years, we have um, helped with uh, the mission of Our Ladies of the Angels. They just opened a a perpetual chapel down in Lamont, St. Cyril and Methodius just opened a perpetual adoration chapel last year, Divine Mercy Sunday. Last June, St. James in Arlington Heights opened a perpetual adoration chapel. And from what I understand, St. Teresa's in Palatine is... uh, Um, planning to do that within the next year as well.
1: And I just want to insert right here, you know, the word perpetual. I think most people know what that means. But just to clarify, uh, it means that the Lord is available for adoration. Um, He is exposed uh, for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Correct? That's right. And that's an amazing uh, gift for the, the parish, the parishioners, because they can stop in any time to be with our Lord and see him face to face.
0: Except the months of March, April, and May okay. in 2020. Right. I'm, I'm making a joke because we need to talk about this. And, yes. and as the church is open, um, to stay compliant within the guidelines of safe distance and Eucharistic adoration uh, is going to be a cornerstone on how people can come back into the church and have that time. So
1: absolutely. I look
0: forward to talking about that.
1: Okay. No, that's good. Well, do you want to talk a little bit more about anything else about the association?
0: Let's talk about Eucharistic Adoration because I'm not going to assume where people are at, and it's always good to kind of reconsider some of the basics. So let's start making sure we understand uh, what Eucharistic Adoration is. And and understood simply, uh, Eucharistic Adoration is adoring and honoring the Eucharistic presence of Christ. Uh, In a deeper sense, it, it involves the contemplation of the mystery of Christ truly present before us body, blood, soul, and divinity, in that consecrated host. Yes. So in in a Eucharistic adoration chapel, Jesus is exposed in a monstrance. And uh, I can't give you the visual, but my hands are moving now. Uh, (laughs) Go see it, and you'll see what a monstrance is. But in the center of the monstrance, it's it's a big uh, gold ornate object um, vessel. There's a glass window called the luna, and in the luna is where the consecrated host is. Yes. So if somebody hasn't been to adoration and you're wondering what to do, just just go and show up. Jesus will do the work for you. And, and just by entering the Adoration Chapel, you're showing humility before our Lord. Yes. You're coming before our Lord and you humble yourself. And it's in that humility that God's graces are going to work for you. Doors that you never even knew existed will appear before you. Yes. And um, it's the courage that will also get to understand which doors are there and which ones we should go through to take those next steps on our spiritual journey, to encounter Christ, to grow in Christ, yes. to live the gospel.
1: Yes. And you know, I'll I'll share a little personal uh, history on my own experience with adoration that is that as a child growing up in a family that was not super faithful. We were Catholic in name, but we were more, you know, Christmas Easter Catholics for the most part. Right. I hadn't really ever experienced adoration as a young person. And I can't really remember the first time I did get exposed to it. But what I do remember for sure is that when I went on my pilgrimage to Medjugorje, it was very strongly emphasized. And that really struck me as something very profoundly beautiful. And then within a month of my pilgrimage and feeling that conversion happening in my heart where the Lord had really kind of grabbed my heart, I moved up to Lake County, Illinois, I drove by Marytown, which is a, a beautiful shrine in Libertyville, Illinois, um, to St. Maximilian Kolbe, but they have perpetual adoration. That's right. And I remember the first time walking into that church and being struck with just the profound peace that I felt and you know, just being drawn back into wanting to spend time with Jesus. So, yeah, there's probably a lot of people listening right now who, like me, didn't grow up with this practice, but it doesn't mean it can't become a part of your spiritual journey, you know, later on.
0: Right, right, and and I, I kind of refer to that as as a balance in, in our faith. I think when we were growing up, Letty, there was um, the Vatican II was was a little bit before us, and and as they the church was learning about Vatican II, some of the contemplative parts of the church life were were sidelined so to speak absolutely and so as a result um the emphasis on the real presence which the catechism tells us is the source and summit of the church um it was it was sidelined and so we missed out on that so a lot of times we're not thinking about you know where do we learn about the real presence and we know that in the, in the four gospels in the first letter to corinthians the reference is made to the institution of the eucharist which took place during the passover meal And Jesus talks about it very clearly prior to his passion, and it's recorded best in John's Gospel, chapter 6. We all know that. Uh, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. So only an ordained priest by the power of the Holy Spirit can give us this bread which endures unto everlasting life. You know, changing that bread and wine using Christ's words and the invocation of the Holy Spirit that's what happens Amen. and and we, we, we ought to believe that um, so um, unfortunately 70% of Catholics were at a point in time no longer consider or believe in the real presence and uh, the Adoration Chapel is a way to encounter Christ that um, many of us have not been exposed to okay. and, and that, that time when Jesus was in the agony in the garden when he asked some of his disciples, could you not watch one hour with me? Yeah. And he's still asking for that. Uh, he, he's asking for us outside of our Sunday obligation to come and spend time with them. He's alone in the tabernacle. We're busy with life. And um, so when when he went into the agony of the garden and, and his disciples fell asleep, you know that's he had anguish in his heart. And it wasn't for a, an hour of, of activity he pleaded. It was an hour of friendship. Yes. And that's why there came out of his anguished heart that sigh, could you not watch one hour with me?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening that maybe you have never experienced um, this type of prayer going and sitting in front of the blessed Sacrament. Maybe you are struggling to believe in the true presence, even though you were maybe raised Catholic, but you've kind of lost your faith and you're not sure anymore. I'm going to encourage you to go and, and, and find an adoration chapel and open your heart. Because the Lord is real and he is truly present and he wants every one of his children to come to know him and and he will pour his grace into you if you make that step of faith and go and sit in front of him. He will. He will change your heart like, like he changed mine, like you know, he's changed yours. All, all of us who are believers, That's we've right. been changed by him.
0: And then once that happens, we're called to bring everybody with us. Amen. It's about the salvation of souls, and that's why we're
1: sitting here today, <laughs> exactly. recording a show for the radio, right? Because we don't know who will tune in and listen to this show and might have their heart drawn back to the Lord, which is our aim.
0: Now, if you Google Eucharistic Adoration Chicago, you you will find uh, websites, the Real Presence, our website, the Saint John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association, and on there. There's uh, directories which uh, show you uh, where the adoration chapels are, what their hours are. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. There's also an, an application on our website where you can do a Google search, map search, give them a mile radius, and it'll tell you where the chapels are. So um, we're running out of excuses. I'm, uh, I am I laugh because as in the field sales, when I'm traveling to five different states, I often have time between appointments, and so I... I I like to find new parishes. I like to go check out new chapels. And sometimes they're not open because there's a passcode. You need to be a parishioner, but I'm knocking on the rectory door. Exactly. You know, I'm ready to go in and, and I'll find a way in.
1: That's so awesome. How beautiful. Um, we're getting close to the, the break in about two minutes, but I, what I wanna say is, um, I know that John Paul II, when he was Pope, strongly encouraged churches to begin adoration. Is that do you know? Is that kind of why you ans- called the name of this association after him?
0: Right, that th- he's our patron saint, and, and I think believe it was the the year of the Eucharist in in Spain when he encouraged uh, throughout the, war- the world all churches to open up and begin Eucharistic adoration, and I think that that was just about the time I was coming into Illinois, but um, and I hadn't my eyes weren't open like you shared earlier, Catholic education. Um, for 16 years, but I had not experienced Eucharistic adoration, and, and Marytown is is part of part of my story of my eyes opening and being drawn drawn to the Lord, uh, in this type of contemplative so and, prayer. and
1: I think it's a perfect time just to say for any of you who are involved in any way with Catholic education, please consider trying to bring the children to spend time with the Lord because the children need to understand that the Lord is truly, truly present. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And he is available to each one of us in, in the flesh. <laughs> and we've the, got to the, begin to teach them at a younger age.
0: I, I've had wonderful moments where I watch the teachers bring in these little peanuts, you know, first so and second graders. And, and I think, you know, suffer the children to come unto me and forbid them not for <laughs> such is the kingdom of God. Amen. Who's to tell us? what kind of graces those children are to receive in there, even if they're that young. And, and we need to be like child to enter to the kingdom of God, Christ tells us. Yes. So there's such a beauty in that innocence. And you can preserve that innocence in if our children learn that at a young age.
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, I think it's super important for us to really try to draw more and more um, children into that um, encounter with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament at an earlier age than what we have done these last, I don't know, since Vatican II. We certainly had had lost the focus for quite a while. So it's time for a commercial break, but please don't go away because when we return, Steve's going to talk a little bit about his own personal um, history and how he ended up serving in this uh, beautiful association that promotes adoration of our dear Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm sitting here with my friend Steve Hegarty from the St. John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association of the Chicago Archdiocese, and he's been sharing a little bit about the association, what their what their mission is. Um, but now I want to hear a little bit more about his own personal testimony and how did he end up getting more involved in this this way?
0: Sure. I'll consolidate the story for the sake of our listeners here. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, when we grew up in the 70s and 80s, Eucharistic adoration was not very visible. I was fortunate enough to uh, attend Catholic school through those 16 years and enough of the seeds of faith must have been planted. Um, However, I don't think that um, they were getting fertilized and watered and tilled uh, the the way they could have been. Right. So like, like many others, you know, I, I, I don't recall starting to go to, to weekly mass until about fourth or fifth grade, and I would stalk a neighbor when they backed out of their driveway and s- jump in and say, hey, can you give me a ride? And then eventually the family started going to regular mass, but it was just uh, the Sunday obligation. Mm-hmm. And then as happens with many of us in our high school years, later high school years, um, we, we get out and some of the partying uh, yep. kicks in. And, and I as, as I reflect back, I refer to that as uh, enter the lie. Yeah. And we know who the Prince of Lies is. And so, yep. you know, some of that remained with me throughout college and after college. And along with that partying type of atmosphere, this spiritual battle starts to really kick up a notch. And I can really attribute one of the things I didn't have a prayer life in grade school, but my Aunt Maureen brought back rosary beads from Rome after John Paul II became our Pope.
1: Oh, beautiful.
0: And at that point in time, I knew we were being told that we needed to pray for the fall of Russia mm-hmm. and communism during the Cold War. So, you know, I would get a decade of the rosary in it each night before bed and, you know, set it up on my nightstand so the crucifix was facing my, my bed. And uh, But I took weekends off. You know, I wasn't going to go overboard with that decade. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I took I weekends that. off for a long time until I really— uh, Developed the habit uh, and, and grew further into that, but as, as I said, so like many of us, that that battle rages. But I think that connection with the Blessed Mother kept me um, committed to my Sunday obligation and the sacrament of reconciliation. Yes. So, so there was hope. is as, as far from grace as I may have fell mm-hmm. uh, and been beaten up, I was able to get back up and get to the confessional. Yes. So I got to a point in my life where. Um, I was the hypocrite that Jesus talked about in the gospels. Yeah. It was like, Hey Steve, you're this night nice, and he's this nice guy. I'm like, yeah, but if you only knew. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, married now, my first son was born and, and I had to make some decisions that, um, you know, that were, that were real. It was long-term. Yes. And, and so by the grace of God, um, EWTN was coming on and, and I had getting up early in the morning with my son from that six to seven o'clock hour. We'd get the chaplet of divine mercy in father Leo Clifford's meditation, then the rosary and a litany. And, and it started to build after that. I encountered father Carapi, Mm -hmm. um, started reading some books, got a little bit of spiritual direction, a retreat. And, uh, and then fortunately enough, I was able like yourself to, to have a trip to Medjugorje, Mm -hmm. um, was able to go to, um, Padre Pio shrine into Rome. And, and those, Spiritual experiences—it's like pouring footing in a construction product. You know, you, you lay your footing, you pour the concrete, and now I was relearning my faith with a solid foundation, exactly. and it had a bigger impact. How beautiful, right? And and so over time, you know, collecting prayer cards and being a prayer card junkie, I'd part of my morning prayer routine with the um, um, with my prayer books. I'd go through some of these prayer cards, and I had a prayer card that was on my dresser. I don't know how it got there, and it was titled Our Lady, the Blessed Sacrament. So I asked my wife one day, where did this come from? And she said, I don't know. So I th- turned the prayer card over and I started praying the prayer. It was August or October of 2005. And um, then I saw on EWTN the first holy hour that I've seen with uh, incense, exposition, benediction, the meditation, and the gospel. By November, I was at St. Teresa's in Palatine. I had my first experience before the Blessed Sacrament. I don't recall anything being a decision that this is what I'm going to do. I just ended up there. Yes. And then back in December, I ended up before the Blessed Sacrament at St. Um In January, I was on a retreat at Bellarmine uh, in, in Barrington. And in between each of the lectures, it was like 15 minutes before and after. So I just stayed in the adoration room one-on-one and left the door open. To listen to the lectures and i had hours with jesus and it was shortly after that that i started adoration on fridays at a parish now my, my buddy from new york uh i said do you know what I just experienced? And he's smirking at me, and he's a wise guy. We ought to do this at our parish. And he's like, yeah, Steve, go ahead and get it started. So I was like, okay. It's kind of a liberal parish, and it wasn't their charism, as, as I was told. But we did for three years, uh, Fridays, uh, seven Fridays during Lent, and we had between 70 and 120 people.
1: How beautiful.
0: Right. Power and then prayer. And then some grandmother was there waiting for me one evening. <laughs> And she said, are you responsible for this? And I thought I was in trouble. And I said, well, yeah, part of a, you know, several other people did this with me. So it's not all my fault. (laughs) And she stuck a flyer in my chest and she said, you need to go to this chapel leader meeting with the Adoration Association. And I said, I do. And she said, you have to go. So the next day or the next weekend, it was April 4th, 2006 at this point in time, I went to Justice, Illinois. And... uh, registered and walked through the door and there to greet me was this six-foot-three German gentleman, Otto Kaiserhauer. And he <laughs> said, really who are you? You remember Otto? <laughs> yeah, I
1: do. <laughs> and, I'm,
0: and Letty remembers Otto because she was the vicariate one lay leader before me. Yes. And that's who I replaced.
1: Isn't that funny?
0: Small world.
1: Yeah.
0: And Otto said, who are you? And I told him my name and which parish I'm from. He said, who's your bishop? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he points his finger in my chest and he says, you need to know that and you're the vicariate one lay leader going forward. I said, I am? <laughs> I just said, oh, okay. And, and then I was off to the races. By coincidence, the spiritual director of the Adoration Association was Father John Grigas. Yes. And he wasn't at the meeting, but they said he's up in Marytown, you ought to go see him.
1: How beautiful.
0: So I went and introduced myself to Father John. And the next morning when I'm going through my prayer cards, it was the first time I realized he was the author of this prayer got the ball rolling our lady of the blessed sacrament
1: (laughs) see isn't that amazing so if if again for our listeners just to kind of put the pieces together of what steve just shared is that the lord had a plan and he wanted you to be involved and he knew exactly what needed to be put in front of you when it needed to be put there right you don't know to this day how that prayer card got in front of you but it was there because it was an invitation from our dear lord our blessed mother to come and be a part of this movement of evangelization, which is to draw people to the Lord. And you said yes. And you just kept saying yes. Okay, I'll do this too. I'll step forward. And first at my parish, now I'm getting involved in the bigger archdiocesan effort. How beautiful. God's plans are perfect.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's and it's tough to say no when you've been given blessings and uh, upon blessings, when I was told by a spiritual director a while ago that if you're ever asked to do something for the church, you better have a pretty good reason before you say no.
1: Absolutely. And and mm-hmm. saying yes is what opens the floodgates of grace. Because, you know, Blessed Mother, the first and best disciple that ever walked the face of the earth, it was her fiat, her yes to um, the invitation um, when the angel gabriel came to her and said you are to be the mother of god that opened the floodgates of grace to bring the savior of the world into into her womb through the power of the holy spirit and so when we say yes we're we're also opening ourselves to the the work of the holy spirit in our lives in a way that is just amazing and you will never regret saying yes
0: that's right ever that's right
1: so why don't we talk a little bit about some of the benefits one can expect if they start practicing regular weekly adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament?
0: Sure. The The biggest benefit I could see, and in, in the most important one, is the internal conversion that takes place. It's it's being true and honest with the things that are going on in our lives before our Lord. And it's, it's in that, that internal conversion during the quiet time that we have an opportunity to see the truths and the lies in our own lives, yes. and and I always like to think about that moment when Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, and he and he said, "I've come to testify to the truth," and Pilate responded, "What is truth?" Yeah. And and I and I just it strikes me as we consider the political environment in our country and around the world, uh, Pilate was an educated man schooled in politics, and he didn't know what truth was. Yeah. And, and and it's so it's so real today as it was then so that's that's the most important thing when when we humble ourselves humility that clear recognition of who and what we are followed by a sincere attempt to be who we ought to be and we go and we renew that we renew that the confessional the sacraments Amen. back in adoration we 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 i always like to relate it to I love football. I've coached football for many years. And okay. so it was, life's it. football game's an adjustment. you got to keep making adjustments. Life's an adjustment. Whatever's going on throughout the day, take inventory, make your adjustment.
1: Well, and, and just again, to add a comment here is that as Catholics, we believe truth is the person of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we believe that the truth will set us free, right? That's right. And so when we are struggling with having maybe adopted some behaviors that are based in lies of the enemy that have led us apart from making the right choices that god calls us to make or to live in his fullness of life fullness of truth um we're we're being shortchanged we're being held in a place uh, that isn't what god wants us to be so it is like you said sitting in front of him he floods us with that grace to reveal his his truth to us and and the truth for each one of us is to follow him with with everything we are right and that's to right. say yes to him that's right so
0: and so it, it, along those lines it, it, it's you know in the eucharistic adoration chapel it, it's a, a cure for some of our habitual mortal sins because our lord will slowly and convince us over time to continue to take recourse to him in the sacrament of reconciliation yes to wipe the slate clean god's mercy Don't be afraid. God's mercy is greater than our worst sins. Amen. And so that regular reconciliation is so important. Why? It's important because it puts us back in the state of sanctifying grace. Yes. And when we're in that state and we've made our confirmation, we've got the gifts the fruits of the Holy Spirit working at full force. I mean, this is more than Marvel superhero stuff. This is, this is the Lord. And then we have an opportunity to live the gospel, to reflect that. I know sometimes I used to be jealous when I was younger about people like, what is that? What's, what's with them? <laughs> and, and they had it going on. And, and I know what it is now. It's the Holy um, Spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and, and now it's like, I want some of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and people can see that in us. And, and it's what I saw in others that draws us forward when we're reflecting God's love and God's truth.
1: Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is, is that when you go and sit in front of the Lord, he, and we're often empty, right? Because we've gotten drained from you know, a hard week at work or difficulties in our family situations, whatever it is, we're feeling empty and dry and kind of just zapped, our strength is zapped. And the Lord says, let me fill you up, my child. I'm gonna pour my grace into you. And then I'm gonna send you back out there filled with my grace. And That's then right. you can be that reflection in in the world.
0: Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary with life, and I will refresh. Amen. It, it, it happens. So the, the, the other thing that I noticed as I became a regular adorer is the moments of peace and serenity uh, lasted longer. Uh, and it's always something we're looking for. Like, I just need silence. I just need to be quiet. But we're still restless. But this I can, like Life can be an emotional roller coaster. We have those highs and lows that can hit us at any point in the day. Yes. But when we're Christ-centered, all of that takes on new meaning mm-hmm. because Christ is part of it. So when things are going well, and you, you've heard the expression, there's no such thing as coincidences, but God incidences. Yes. We're smiling from the inside out because we know Christ, and we're saying thank you real time. We're thanking God for all these things that are unfolding. And then, boom, we got this dip in this roller coaster of life. And and there's some pain and there's some suffering. And we're trying to figure out, what is this? How to respond? You know, sometimes for me, it's just simple and don't laugh. You know, just maybe not using some foul language in yeah. some frustrating moments or things aren't going my way. Realizing where I'm not in control of things and yes. surrendering. And so we can invite Jesus into that suffering at that moment. And now it takes on new meaning. It becomes prayer. It's redemptive suffering. We give it back to him. And how could I be suffering and have peace of mind? It's like almost an outer body experience. I could see myself at my work desk and the other me looking down as, as everything's unfolding and pouring on me. Mean, it's like, well, now how are you going to respond, Stephen? It's like... I'm going to do the next right thing. Exactly. And we've got this.
1: Yeah. And I can, you know, add one personal comment too. Is like when I have had like a really difficult, you know, interaction with someone, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm suffering for some reason, I always run to the Lord. That's who I run to. I run and I sit at his feet. I will kneel there or sit there and I'll just cry. <laughs> and he just kind of holds me in that time of, you know, emotional outpouring of my heart, like, Lord, this is hard. I'm hurting. I'm scared. I'm, I'm not in control. Why? Where are you? And then he just calms my spirit. And he just strengthens me to go back out there and keep trusting him that he will never leave me. And it it gets me through every crisis. It's it's such a gift.
0: And we know we should expect that as we grow in in our, our journey, we become mature adults in faith. Christ said, you know, if you follow me, you know, there, there's going to be some pain and suffering. Mother Teresa said, you know, for love to be real, you must suffer.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everyone suffers in this world. No yeah. one escapes it. So having the Lord uh, help us through those moments of suffering is always going to be uh, one of the greatest gifts that we can experience. So do you have any personal experiences that you can share that will help us to understand more about this time of silent prayer that, you know, have really profoundly... It,
0: there, there's there's plenty of them, but the the one that really had the biggest impact, and I think um, it it should reach uh, the generation out there of people in their 20s through early 50s, because we might be in the thick of things, the responsibility of our families, making ends meet, trying to do the next right thing, being sucked into the travel, sports, and everything, but getting the first commandment right. So. Um, as I mentioned, I love football and I've been blessed and fortunate enough to, to be coach, you know, for football and baseball, my kids are there as they were growing up mm-hmm. along with the job. So it was in the middle of this time period where covering five states for a sales point of view. Coaching Eucharistic Adoration Association. There's a good chance I wasn't keeping up with stuff around the house. For sure, <laughs> and my my wife may have let me know that. And so on a Friday Friday night was the night I would go to adoration. I mean, you would think that's the night where you go grab a cold one, but not me. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'd stop in and sit exhausted from the week. Games coming up that weekend, and um, there was one one evening where I went into the Adoration Chapel. We'll talk about things you can do in the chapel a little bit later. But, um, And I just talk to Jesus from the heart. He, he he wants to know. He already knows. It's just a matter of us being honest about it, what's going on in our lives. Yes. So I share with, with Jesus what's going on in my life. The, and it could be the important people. I place their face before Jesus. He sees and accepts every one of those prayers. The stresses I have with work. Uh, maybe with the parents, with the other coaches, all the things that are going on that have drained me, like you said earlier, that have sucked me dry, and I was at a point where it, it was just a long week, and um, and I was like, Jesus, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this. I was calling a timeout. I was like, I'm, <laughs> I, w- I want to coach. This this job's getting to me um you know i, I how am i going to do this weekend mission or this responsibility with the adoration association and it's like i don't want i don't want to do this anymore help me i was asking for jesus to help me find a way out
1: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yes
0: so the, the the middle of the the adoration the holy hour is is time to try to spend spent listening and it's difficult to do so you got to keep circling back because my head's like a squirrel cage it just you know yeah Running around, and, and but you'll often hear God's whisper, that inner voice talking to you. So as I, as I listened and I was looking at Jesus and the monstrance and glancing up at Jesus on the crucifix, one of the real crucifixes with the blood pouring down on him and, and yes. to kind of penetrate you and back to the monstrance and the Eucharist, you get this little whisper. It's like, Stephen, is that all you have for me? <laughs> and it just echoed, is that all you have for me? I felt like a loser. Oh. And at the same moment, I felt like I disappointed Jesus I received the energy and I was pumped up and I was like no that's that's not all I have I'm 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 back in I'm back in I'm 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 in the mission you know I, I'm not going to let you down and and it's that come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will refresh awesome. and 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 I I left there with that refreshment and 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 I used the word mission you know we are a pilgrim people, and and was it Saint Augustine that said our hearts are restless yes. until they rest in the Lord? And so it's about the salvation of souls. So we need to we need to bring Christ to whoever we encounter out there. And and you know it, these were public park programs, and we prayed with these kids before every game. There was only one time in the fifteen years that a kid and a parent made a comment about it. And I that, that said, that's fine. You, your son doesn't have to pray with us, but he needs to be quiet when the rest of us are praying. Good for you. But that's that was one of the most um, profound experiences. And it's and every time I get tired, I I, I remember that. But is that all you have for me, Stephen?
1: I love that. That is so beautiful. And that is so like the Lord to just kind of challenge us and kind of go, don't give up. Yeah. Well, it's time for a, a quick commercial break, but please don't go away. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. And we'll be back right after this short break. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm sitting here with Steve Hegarty, uh, and we've been talking about the John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association of the um, Chicago Archdiocese and all um, the ways that um, both Steve and I have been impacted by spending time with our Lord. Why don't we um, talk a little bit to our listeners about the importance of making a commitment, to a weekly holy hour like things for them to consider
0: sure so for for those listeners who may not be um, regular adorers may have stopped in once or twice or or need that um that boost to kind of kick it up a notch to, to to work through some of the challenges that you're going through some of the habitual sins i would suggest Just get to the chapel, and and how you could start off is by breaking up your holy hour into 20-minute segments. That first 20-minute segment, talk to Jesus as if you were talking to your best friend from the heart. Um, You're going to want to acknowledge Jesus with the proper reverence, the double knee, genuflect, and then you could sit in the pew or kneel as you're doing this. And then after you've talked to Jesus and let Jesus know what's going on in your life, we need to listen. And that's... that's, um, not something that we're always good at, listening for, for God's prompts, for Jesus to prompt us, the Holy Spirit. That can be done in various ways. It just can be done by closing your eyes in silence. And often I find that if there's a book that I'm reading, the gospel or, or just a, a spiritual book, just reading a couple of sentences or a paragraph at a time and then pausing and meditating because... Jesus, what is the the gospel is the word of God, so He speaks to us through through this, and, and He uses our saints praying before the Blessed Sacrament. So there's a lot of great material meditation on the Rosary, the mysteries of the Rosary, yes. the, you know, turning it over to the Blessed Mother, she'll take care of us. And then that last 20 minutes uh, is often by that time you'll feel better and you'll recognize that life isn't so bad, and and that's a good time to pray for others, to get outside of ourselves, and those are our moments for prayers of petition and thanksgiving and um we need to remember that wherever jesus is present his blessed mother is there as well yes so we we get to boys don't like to refuse mom (laughs) so we get to request mary's intercession on behalf of ourselves to to open us up to god's will to place our loved ones before jesus And, and mary hears our requests um intercessory prayer can be, can be part of this, this petition at Thanksgiving. We all have family members that are, so to speak, caught behind enemy lines. They're living lives outside the sacramental life of the church. Yes. And this is often a way for us to go on a recon mission, to go behind enemy lines, fasting coupled with this as well is very important, doing mortifications. And it only takes one member of the family to sanctify the rest of the family yes. when you live a virtuous life. Because ultimately, people are going to have to look at you and consider what they need to change in themselves.
1: Well, and if people understood the power of prayer and lifting up prayers for others, um, they would not uh, hesitate to spend more time in prayer because it truly changes everything. When you spend time praying for the people you love to to come back to the Lord or to receive the grace they need to get their lives back on track with what is right, um, the Lord hears every single prayer and He is going to answer those prayers in His perfect time. We may have to persevere for quite a while in those That's prayers, right. That's right. but there's never a wasted prayer, and they are powerful beyond our understanding.
0: If if we think about the the courage of of the things that we need to do, asking for that courage and that fortitude, um, it, it often takes me back to the Blessed Mother, like like you said earlier, her fiat, her yes, yes to Jesus. And when we go before the Blessed Sacrament, aren't we imitating Mary? Aren't we selling Jesus? Jesus, be it done unto me according to thy word. Exactly. And where we're at today, we're always going to look back on this spring of 2020 with the coronavirus and the fear and the uncertainty and this pent up feeling that's hard to put into words. As the churches begin to open, there's going to be restrictions. We're not all going to be able to get to mass. Now, regardless if people were daily mass goers or not, if they're Catholic they're hurting too. Amen. This is a great opportunity. The the Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, the parishes are going to be allowed to have Eucharistic Adoration because it will fit within the state requirements and the safe distancing. Yes. So this is going to be more opportunities. And the Adoration Opportunity is often the doorway that takes people back to the church.
1: Exactly. And so I'll, I'll share my own call into adoration so you mentioned Father John Grigas who is a Franciscan and I encountered him at Marytown because I live close to Marytown and I went on a retreat with him um, many years ago and at the end of the retreat he challenged everybody and he said do not go back to your homes after this retreat and go back to your old ways make a commitment to spend one hour a week in front of the Blessed Sacrament it will change your life. I promise you. And I remember stopping in my tracks when I heard him say it. He said it with such conviction. He knew what he was talking about. And I thought, why have I never heard this before? What do you mean it'll change my life? <laughs> so I was convicted. And I, within that week, I signed up for a holy hour at Marytown. And he was right. That is truly what began to change my life really On a a weekly basis, having that grace enter my life every week, even though it was hard at times to be there early on, it was hard. Um, It changed my life. And and that's why I am so dedicated to trying to encourage others to come and commit at least one one hour a week, um, at least spending time with our Lord. It will change your life. I can now promise you that Steve can now promise you that because we've experienced it ourselves. That's right. Yeah, the Lord will not fail you.
0: And I know for me they, they they say that knowledge is power, and there's there's a crisis. If you know where to look, there's a lot of great speakers out there, and I'm and and I like to talk to the men, and 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 I'll go to different men's events and, and talk to them and challenge them to 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 man up, so to speak. Good. because this isn't just a touchy feely thing where you've got this warmness and go. You're going to be infused with with the knowledge. That gives us spine, gives us backbone, and we can, over time, debate, in and, and and charity, do the spiritual works of mercy, instruct the ignorant, admonish the sinner. Yes. In the workplace, you're going to start to adjust some of the you know these one-liners that kind of, you know, people dull their conscience and it, it lacks purity. Yeah. All of those things will start to change, and and then this knowledge, if it's okay, I'm going to Father yeah. John Harden uh, wrote a little something. This is we'll we'll have the. Um, the Novena to the Holy Spirit coming up starting Ascension Thursday. Okay. Well, actually, it'll be past now that we yes. have the show recording. But um, he wrote on the gift of knowledge, and this is a great place to be operating from yes. as we go about through life. One of the seven infused gifts, by the illuminating action of the Holy Spirit, it perfects the virtue of faith. It gives a person the ability to judge everything from a supernatural viewpoint. The object of this gift is is the whole spectrum of created things insofar as they lead one to God. Through infused knowledge, the faithful can see the providential purpose of whatever enters their life, and they are able to put creatures to the right use according to God's will for themselves and for others. Sometimes called the science of the saints, it enables those who have the gift to discern easily and effectively between the impulses of temptation and the inspirations of grace.
1: Beautiful. That is beautiful. So, you know, the bottom line that we keep emphasizing on this show is to truly, if you are not committed to spending time with the Lord each week, please, please consider um, stepping out of your comfort zone and making that commitment. You will never regret it. I I promise you, and Steve promises you, the Lord promises (laughs) you, uh, take the Lord's promise on that. Um, In these last, you know, four minutes or so, um, I understand that you worked last fall with Bishop Rojas to take the monstrance that was blessed by St. John Paul II on a pilgrimage in Vicariate I. You want to share a little bit about that work?
0: Sure. So part of um, the ministry, we we happen to have a monstrance that was blessed by St. John Paul II one month before he passed from his hospital bed. And this monstrance is specific for the Chicago Archdiocese to pray for. Our priests and religious vocations. Beautiful. So Bishop Rojas and I met um, last April, and I asked if he would support uh, a pilgrimage of this monstrance through Vicariate One. The idea was to go to the adoration chapels that are in place and have them dedicate one hour of whatever their adoration schedule was just for prayer for our priests and for religious vocations. We often, regular doors who are listening, we often go and we're praying for ourselves. But if we can get a second hour in now, step yes. it up, and just pray for our priests, I think it'll bear a lot of fruit. Oh, so Bishop, sure. Bishop Rojas sent a letter out asking his pastors to consider participating. And what we learned is that of the 51 parishes in Vicariate 1, which is most of Lake County, and it kind of dips into like the um, Mount Prospect, Schomburg, out to Bartlett area, there's 51 parishes. Okay. And then from the 51 parishes, 47 have some type of adoration program. Wow, that's great. That's, like I said earlier, it's a reason for hope. Five, 10 years ago, it would not have been the case. And 43 of the parishes participated in this pilgrimage. So for me, it was an opportunity to get out and see the deacons, the pastors, the chapel leaders, and it was... um, they, they received this monstrance, this relic, um, with such open hearts. They extended adoration. They brought the school children in. It was promoted the way it should have been promoted. It was dealt with in a, in a great reverent way. And um, we're hoping, as some of our initiatives, to see if we can take this monstrance throughout the rest of the Archdiocese in Vulcan. Uh, the prayers of Saint John Paul II and, and Jesus, and to bring people to call for our, to, to prayer for our priests, we need to pray. And we have our own challenges, but priests are under attack, you know, twenty-four-seven um, in in the spiritual battle. So uh, it, it's up to us to do our part. Um, so that's one of the initiatives that we have.
1: Well, I wanted to just insert a personal experience with this monstrance. So we were fortunate enough at Saint Gilbert in Grays Lake to host this special monstrance. And what our pastor allowed us to do was to have a day of renewal. And it was 12 hours of Eucharistic Adoration and 12 hours confession available. And it was an amazing day. We had people coming all day long. There was a never ending flow of people into that chapel. And um, to draw people to number one, the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and then number two to the Sacrament of Healing, In confession was just like the double whammy and so I'd encourage any of our listeners who may want to do something like this uh, we've done it twice now and it's been a very powerful way to draw people both to prayer and to that great grace of healing in in confession at the same time so
0: that's it's a great coupling and some of the feedback from the priests was they see the great value of when there is adoration having reconciliation available
1: yeah people are hungry for these things so any other final initiatives you want to share with our listeners before we close?
0: Sure. Um, so we are trying to update our website a little bit to make it more useful uh, to give resources so that as the church is opening, um, we can we can point people in the right direction and everything's their turnkey, kind of like templates. So um, we're going to have a tab for children's adoration. It's very important. If we can bring the children, there's great stories out there. They bring their parents. There's a parish in Florida. The deacon started a prayer club. Yes. prayer club went with 34 adorers to 3,600 wow. adorers. Amazing. So um, we have uh, a draft copy for what we're calling this, the High School First Friday Devotion. We think it would be wonderful if the high schools would have a First Friday devotion to our sacred heart, Jesus. And as part of that, um, the sports teams, the clubs, all sponsor an hour. The local feeder parishes uh, can have associate priests. I'm volunteering all you guys and pastors for uh, the, for the uh, reconciliation during that day. And it would produce great fruit. Um, we're also putting up a tab that's going to have a, a better way to host the Vatican Eucharistic Miracle Exhibit. It displays. It's it's a beautiful exhibit. There's panels that are 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 made for the children. I mean, they're drawn to them. The stories they get sucked in very quickly. So we wanna take advantage of doing that and and coupling that. And then um, in Chicago Vicaria Three, there's the young Catholic professionals we wanna make a connection with. About three to four hundred, um, average age in their thirties. Uh, Catholic professionals meet the second Tuesday of the month and these are the millennials these are like hey we're going to make a holy hour this Wednesday then we're going to go out and grab something to eat and they get 60 of them to show up
1: that's amazing
0: so so that that needs to we need to we need to learn from one another and we need to make outreach we're, we're planning on doing more with the Hispanic community okay. it's 40% of the archdiocese wow and for those of us who have ever, ever seen the spanish parishes or seen the processions boy does it pour out of them the, their love is. so so we've got to um, take advantage of the nocturnal adoration groups that are out there. Adoracion nocturnal. If anybody's listening and they have an interest, please um, Google, you know, Saint John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association, or contact the radio station. We could always use some volunteers. Absolutely. Um, so we'd be we'd be grateful.
1: Okay. Well, it's hard to believe that the time has. Uh run so fast it's time to bring this show to a close but I just want to thank you again Steve for your yes in stepping forward to be a leader in this association for your willingness to come and share this beautiful information on this radio show and for being a a, a witness um, to Christ in just your daily life your your married life and and going around and giving talks Um, so anyone who is interested in even having Steve come to a parish or someone from the Adoration Association, that is also an option that they can come and talk and teach people um, about this beautiful uh, form of worship. So thank you again. And uh, thank
0: you, Letty, for your witness, for your time on this show, and uh, and for the work you're doing uh, at St. Gilbert's to support adoration there. We look forward to working with you some more.
1: Thank you, thank you. All right, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, tune, tune back next month, uh, the first Monday and the first Saturday of every month. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm wishing you all His Fullness of Life. Bye.